0: imagine that there are invisible aliens and you're just walking around going about your day and they have like a cattle prod or something like that. And they just test you with it every once in a while to see what you're going to (laughs) do. You can't see them. You don't know where it's coming from, but suddenly you feel this discomfort and pain. Sometimes it's very mild. Sometimes it's really bad.
1: That's like a really dark interpretation of,
0: (laughs) but but you think, about, you think about the world that our children live in and the understanding that they, or the lack of understanding they have of their emotions, it can feel that way for them. It can feel like something is happening to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what it is or what's causing it. And I don't know what to do with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's incredibly scary.
1: It is scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well.
0: How are you feeling today?
1: I feel a little tired. I stayed up with my book club ladies last night. Oh, yeah? And yeah, Mm-hmm. Hmm. we were out pretty late.
0: Yeah, I, I was at home with the boys.
1: Yeah. So you were up pretty late too.
0: Well, it's weird when you're home, they do what they're supposed to. You know, they get in bed for the most part
1: because they love me
0: but when you're not home and it's just me that's when they decide to clean their room
1: oh yeah they're
0: like we're gonna we're gonna stay up all night we're gonna clean our room and so Jaden he took every book off of his bookshelf he's eight yeah Jaden's eight he took
1: this is the way an eight-year-old cleans
0: he took every single book off of his bookshelf and then After he did, because he was going to put it back very orderly. Mm -hmm. And then he decided after he was done doing that, that he was really tired and he didn't want to put all the books back by himself. And he, he felt upset because his brothers wouldn't help him.
1: Well, he wanted his brothers to do the work probably.
0: Yeah. He does this thing where, uh, it's really funny. He he, kind of declares himself the director of the cleanup operation.
1: <laughs> it's actually a little bit smart, but yet really annoying.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> cause he, he doesn't really have the authority. Yeah. First. Second, his director skills aren't very good. Mm-mm. And, and then that's two less hands, two fewer hands yeah. doing the actual work.
1: Well, and also... If all you're taking is directions from somebody, and somebody's not jumping in and helping you, you're less likely to follow that person.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Like you gotta dirty your hands up a little. Come on.
0: That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, today we're talking about understanding and helping your child find healthy ways to express their emotions. All right. And
1: this is a fun one.
0: This is a fun one. The the emotion thing with our children is something that I feel like really recently for us, we've really started to get a good grasp on and, and have some practical things that we could do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas before, I think we we understood a little bit about emotions, but we didn't really understand how they really worked with children, how they worked with their development and the the things that we could do to actually Shape that and and help them to have more healthy. You know, it was, it was kind of like, "Oh, kids are going to be kids, and they'll grow out of this stage where they're being crazy with their emotions and that kind of thing." And and it really was empowering when we learned some things about how emotions work because we were able to become more purposeful mm-hmm. about how we shape that.
1: Well, and I think it also because we did. I mean, I did a ton of research on all of this stuff and. It helped me to better know myself as well, because, you know, I, we kind of, we talk about some of the ways that we've grown up and things like that. And I grew up in a home with a mom who's a single mother and she did a fantastic job raising us, but it was also a home where, you know, to feel emotion and to express emotion was she, I mean, she didn't discourage it, but it was almost an inconvenience because She didn't really have the time to deal with three kids who are expressing their emotions. So, you know, the easy answer is to just be like, get over it, you know? Yeah. And I, I want, I noticed, I mean, the, the thing that got us into it was that our eight year old, he's a very gifted child and he struggles with the emotions. And I think what got us into it is we were just at our wits end. Like, what do we do about this? Yeah, because it, everything we tried was not working.
0: Yeah, so because of that uh, kind of tension that we were experiencing, it really forced us to look deeper into it. But oh, a lot yeah. of a lot of people they just kind of skate along, and they they have what they feel like are normal experiences with emotion, and don't realize there is there is some work that you can do. There there are some ways that you can engage that that make things easier and that help um, both your children and you to have a healthier Mm -hmm. experience with emotions. So before we, before we get into some of the more practical stuff, I wanted to talk more generally about emotions. And one of the big questions that I had when preparing for this topic was why do we have emotions? What purpose do they serve? And so there's no hard and and fast scientific answer like this is the reason but there are a lot of really strong theories and one of the stronger theories is that uh, our our emotions have some utility in a world where there is more direct and immediate danger to deal with for example a strong feeling of fear Mm -hmm. will lead you to action a lot faster than reasoning out a situation will so So in a situation where there was immediate danger, that fear led to action that, that helped preserve and protect the life of the person who was in danger. Whereas if that emotion didn't exist, they would linger longer. They would try to reason out the situation and they may not be as quick to action and therefore in greater danger.
1: Mm -hmm. Therefore you would die.
0: Therefore you would, (laughs) the, uh the saber tooth cat would maul you. Yeah. So another reason for emotion is that it strengthens social connections, which also is a survival tactic. When we, when we are connected socially, when we live in community, our chances of survival are greater. Yeah. And then because we have reason, um, because we are self-conscious, human beings, those emotions become more and more complex. So there are some really basic emotions like joy, sadness, anger, fear. But then you get into, because of the reason, you get into more of the complex emotions based on how people interact socially and that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so today, we don't have the same kind of danger to deal with there's still danger, but it's, but it's farther off, Mm -hmm. you know, like things like financial danger and that kind of thing. So where stress kind of comes into play is we see the danger, but because our emotional reaction doesn't really have a good outlet, there's not something that we can do to that danger immediately. It's more of a long-term thing. Mm -hmm. We turn to stress and stress is useful in the sense that it allows us to have a more long term response to those dangers. But, you know, it, it ends up being abused and misused. And
1: well, if you're in a constant state of stress, you're causing all kinds of harm to your body.
0: That's right. So the emotions, they they have some utility, they have some usefulness, but because of the way that we tend to misuse them, sometimes they can be damaging. Mm-hmm. So And I I want to make this disclaimer here. Sadness and depression are not the same thing. Depression is actually not related to emotions. Mm -hmm. You can experience emotions due to depression, but it's not the same thing. Um, But certain emotions can, when out of balance with our reason, can cause um, some psychological issues like anxiety And obsessiveness, compulsiveness, those things come from our emotions being out of balance with our reason. But emotions themselves are not bad or good. They're, they're really neutral. And it was really important for me to, uh, for me personally to make that distinction between what I'm feeling, thinking of emotions as negative or positive Mm positive and really seeing them as, oh, these are, these are just emotions. These are things that I feel this, this is a neutral thing. It's not good or bad.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I tend to think that, I mean, this is just my opinion. I think emotions are good because I think of a world without emotions and how boring that would be. It would be like, we're all robots walking around.
0: Yeah. I mean, in that sense, yes. What I, I guess what I mean is I, I wouldn't say that Happiness is a good emotion oh, and sadness yeah. is a bad emotion. But yes, I agree that emotions are good.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So when I, when I think about emotions that way, it helps me to be more forgiving toward my emotions. In a sense, I, I, I think sometimes we tend to villainize certain emotions and what really is, is harmful. So, for example, some people villainize anger. Mm-hmm. So that person has anger issues and it's
1: not really the anger though. It's how they act out their anger.
0: Yeah. It's That's the, the issue. It's the expression of the emotion. Mm-hmm. You can, you can have what some people will call a very positive emotion, happiness. And there can be an unhealthy expression of happiness.
1: What's an example of that, Ben?
0: Um, maybe doing the Bernie dance. I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, and I might say instead of, instead of bad expressions, I might say inappropriate. So, um, okay. So when you're angry, Uh there's, there's really, it's definitely not good to physically harm somebody. Right. But if you're angry, this is, this is kind of wading into some touchy territory, but if you're, if your anger is coming from seeing somebody harm somebody else and physical the physical aggression the expression of physical aggression from that anger causes you to remove that person from harm mm-hmm. and and get the other person uh keep the other person from hurting them and that's appropriate yeah so so i would say i would say appropriate and inappropriate are better words to use for how the expression of feelings mm-hmm. happens. So if I'm in church and I get a text or I see a notification on my phone that my team won a game or something like that, it's not appropriate for me to stand up and shout in celebration Yeah, because of my excitement and joy.
1: Yeah, I agree. So the the key as parents is to let our kids know that emotions, all, all emotions are acceptable. Yeah, no, that's right. But the way that we act out those emotions can be either acceptable or unacceptable. And I don't know if I even necessarily like using those terms, but helping our children understand that there are healthy expressions of things like sadness and anger and frustration and that there are also, you know, healthy expressions of joy and pride and some of those things that can often be turned around as, you know, bragging or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. And so I think that's our trick as parents is to let kids know that what they're feeling is okay.
0: It's, it's pretty complex because it's not just that there is that a certain expression is good and a certain expression is bad. I think the, I think appropriate really, or inappropriate really are good words to use because, and, and it's appropriateness for the situation that you're in. Yeah. And so, so it may be inappropriate to express your emotion a certain way in a certain setting, but doing it that same way in a different setting might be appropriate. And so we don't, we don't know the you know, we don't come into the world knowing these things.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We, we learn them. Um, unguided through trial and error. If we're paying attention, some people don't, you know, some people aren't paying close enough attention and they don't learn. Yeah. So with given all of that, I, I want to go into some ways of understanding emotions for our children that we want to, that we want to teach them. Now, these are, what we've set up to this point, these are all good foundational things to learn, but they're very complex ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot more stuff that goes with it. We're kind of skimming the tip.
0: Yeah. So here's, here's where I really want to start kind of bringing this emotional language to our children and, and trying to help them have an understanding. The, the first thing that we need to understand is that our emotions belong to us. They are ours. So, the the way that you make this practical is instead of saying you or it made me feel,
1: yes, mm-hmm.
0: you you change that to say I feel this when,
1: or because,
0: yeah. And so it it takes it takes the power of creating an emotion inside of you away from the catalyst. And it helps you take ownership of that emotion. Mm-hmm. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't people who are purposefully doing things or or situations that that cause generally people to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. But your when your emotions belong to you, you have the power to identify the source and then do something about it and deal with the source.
1: Yeah. So. An example this is kind of a humorous example as a parent. Uh, I used to say all the time when the boys were like freaking out and, you know, being their wild selves, I would be like, you guys are driving me crazy. And I switched the language to be, I feel crazy when you,
2: <laughs> Yeah.
1: so that they can make this connection, you know, Oh, mama's reaching her, you know, her weak point.
0: <laughs> and for, for people who care about how their actions influence others' emotions, it's mm-hmm. good to be able to communicate that because then they realize, okay, when I do this, she feels this. Yeah. And it also, when, when you do that as a parent, it really demonstrates for your child that, that the healthy, one of the healthiest expressions that you can have for your emotions is to verbalize them.
1: Right, yeah. In,
0: in just very simple terms. And the, the, when I feel or the, the when and I feel language is really powerful. When you do this, I feel this. When this happens, I feel this. And and it's just a really great way to help our children feel more in control Mm -hmm. and, and, and just more ownership of their emotions.
1: And I, I will, I'm going to say two things real quick. One is that um, if we grew up in homes where we weren't exactly our emotions weren't exactly celebrated or accepted, this is a really really hard thing to do because we don't have the practice of saying, "I feel whatever when you or when this happens." We have the practice of saying, "I am angry," "I am disappointed." Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like it's, you know, our almost our our identity. And emotion—you probably going to, into this, but emotions are completely separate from who we are.
0: Yeah, that's actually the the next point that I was. Okay, hang make. on. I
1: wanted to say one more thing. Yes, please. Um, about the the language that we had that that we use with our children. We don't do that in the flooded moment, which is you know, kids can get really flooded really quickly, and so y- you're not going to immediately be able to help them verbalize what they feel because I mean, when you're really, really angry, it's very hard to think.
0: Well, the, the ability to verbalize and, and even have any kind of dialogue. So, so earlier when I was talking about emotion and reason, having balance, mm-hmm. this is something that I wanted to, to bring in and, and for you to talk about a little bit, which is integration. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll get into that after I say this, but, but the, the two major forces, driving forces of the decisions we make and the actions that we take are reason and emotion.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and so this is where a lot of people feel like, I'm I'm so, you know, I make, I make my decisions based on my emotions and sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing and I wish I could be more reasonable. And, and it's really the balance of the two that helps us to be most healthy. But our our reason can have the kind of relationship with our emotions where, where the reason is able to talk to the emotions and discover and identify the source of those emotions and mm-hmm. have processes in place for how to express those emotions in certain settings and that kind of thing. But that reason part can't act until the emotion has had a chance to Run its not run its full course, but it but at least come down to the level where reason is able mm-hmm. to come in and take over
1: and there are some steps that have to happen between the flooded moment and the moment where our kids are ready to vocalize things. Did you want me to talk about integration now? Yes, okay, so first, I want to put a disclaimer here. This is like super complicated stuff that. Um, I can refer you to a book that was like amazing for our parenting journey. And it's called The Whole Brain Child by Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. And in there, they talk a lot about integration. And what integration is, is we have a left side of the brain and we have a right side of the brain. The left side of the brain is more the more logical side. The right side of the brain, this is just like a simplistic... (laughs) a simplistic look. The right side of the brain is more emotional. And so when we're dealing with emotions, we're thinking with our right side of the brain, which means that we are not being logical. And in order for us to be logical, our emotions have to come under control. Um, In addition to this, there's also a lower brain and a higher brain. The lower brain is what they call the reptile brain, which is the fight or flight, the danger, danger, kind of brain where uh, when you're flooded with an emotion, some kids, I know our eight year old tends to take off running. Like he's in danger. He's running from the situation. Uh, this in adults, this can look like shutting down because you're running away from, you know, this difficult situation. Yeah. Um And there's a higher brain that does more higher level thinking. And, the first brain that comes, the first part of the brain that comes in is not just the right side, but it's also that reptile brain that's telling you danger, danger, you're on alert, you're stressed, you're flooded. I mean, if you think about any of the emotions that you feel, the, the ones that we label bad, which are, you know, are not really bad, yeah. but you think about frustration and, and sadness and anger and you feel those in your body.
0: And it makes a lot of sense because when, when you think about it in terms of survival – You want that part of your brain to fire before the reason comes into play because you need that immediate response and reaction. Mm -hmm. But in today's more protected environment, you're not faced with as many, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you're not faced with as many immediate dangers. Yeah. But it's still in operation. It still acts as if there's immediate danger Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when it perceives something to be so.
1: I mean, I uh, what we've tried to do, and you may talk about this, but what we've tried to do with our kids is help them to notice when their body is getting flooded because we can talk about what anger feels like and uh, we can talk about what sadness feels like. And what we try to do is link that to something that makes sense to kids because younger kids don't really have a reference for uh, what is sadness and what is anger. So uh, one of the things that we... Tried to do was colors, and they didn't really like that as much uh, because they all had a different opinion on what color sadness would be or what color <laughs> anger would be. Yeah. So then we tried uh, weather. And what are you?
0: Oh, no. Sorry. We, I'm, I'm going to get into that. I, oh, before we, okay. I, I wanted to explain the integration thing because I wanted people to have just a, a little bit more of some of the, the theory and understanding yeah. behind the way the brain. Interacts with itself.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um.
0: But we are going to get into the practical stuff. Okay. But I, I wanted to put down a few more foundational things oh, before okay. we do. Okay. Sorry. But don't forget the weather thing. That's really important. <laughs> okay. It's, that's such a good one. All right. It's like I, I never show Rachel my notes beforehand. Yeah. And so she doesn't know where I'm going, but she's she's always like reading my mind.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, 12 years will do that to you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you were, before we got into the integration thing, you were saying that we, another part of the way that we can talk about our emotions is to say, instead of saying, I am angry or Mm -hmm. I am sad or I am happy. Those are identifiers. And and really what we want to say is, I feel Mm -hmm. because we are not our emotions. Our emotions are a part of us, but they don't define us. Mm-hmm. So when you, and and you may think, well, that's such a subtle difference. Like what, what, how does that matter? But when you say I am sad, especially if you hear yourself say that out loud.
1: It sounds so sad.
0: Well, it, it does, it's a, <laughs> but it it's an identifier and it's almost like taking on the identity of I am a sad person.
1: Which is much in, harder in to cast off than... The emotion of sadness.
0: Yeah. So, so to recognize that an emotion is a part of you, Mm -hmm. sadness is a part of me the same way that happiness is a part of me. All of, all of those emotions are a part of me, but they are not who I am. That's a really important understanding for our children to have. So, so just those two things, being able to, being able to say, I feel this when I'm in this situation instead of. This situation made me feel Mm -hmm. taking ownership of your emotions, but then also understanding that your emotions do not define you. Those are really important foundational things. So one of the things I think that we as parents need to overcome first is our fear or our discomfort of our child's big emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. That's hard too.
0: And when you, you were talking about our children being emotionally flooded and I, a lot of us grew up in homes where big emotions weren't acceptable. Oh, our, yeah. our parents were uncomfortable with them or they just hadn't dealt with that stuff for themselves. It may have come from a long line of people who just didn't want to deal with those big emotions and so when they happened... We were told, shut that down,
2: mm-hmm. turn it
0: off, because because I feel uncomfortable with that. Now, it was probably never stated that way, but that's right. the understanding that we have. And then by default, we bring that into our relationship with our kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, anger in our boys still makes me uncomfortable, because all my life I grew up hearing, you know, that that anger was not an acceptable emotion.
0: Yeah, so... So one of the first things that we need to do is to come to terms with our own big emotions. Are there big emotions that you experience, that you feel, that you are still uncomfortable with? I struggle with, and I want to be careful about how I talk about this. I experience anger and I still have some inappropriate expressions of anger. Yeah. And because of that, I tend to villainize my anger. And because I tend to villainize my anger, when I feel angry, I, I don't like that. I feel uncomfortable with it because I'm afraid.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And so the more accepting I am of, those, of that big emotion for myself, the more accepting I can be when my child experiences and expresses it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: So that's, that's the first place we want to go is, is to kind of look inward. When we feel comfortable with our child's big emotions, so you, you, you got to think about it from their perspective. They're experiencing fear or anger or whatever it is, whatever big emotion it is, and they don't know what to do with it. They don't have the tools. They don't have the practice, and it's not just it's not just something that's happening in their mind, but there's, you know, it's happening in their body too. They're feeling it. Mm -hmm. And I tried to, I tried to equate it to this. Uh, Imagine that there are (laughs) invisible aliens and you're just walking around going about your day and they have like a cattle prod or something like that. And they just test you with it every once in a while to see what you're going to (laughs) do. You can't see them. You don't know where it's coming from, but suddenly you feel this, discomfort and pain sometimes it's very mild sometimes it's really bad
1: that's like a really dark interpretation of
0: (laughs) but but you think about you think about the world that our children live in and the understanding that they or the lack of understanding they have of their emotions it can feel that way for them it can feel like something is happening to me Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is or what's causing it and I don't know what to do with it Mm And that's incredibly scary.
1: It is scary. Yeah.
0: And so as parents, when we feel comfortable with our own emotions, when we can empathize with how scary that can be for our children, it can, it can help us to come alongside our child when they're experiencing those big emotions. And, and instead of trying to shut it down or, or do something about it right then or there, we get to come alongside them and just kind of be calm and present with them. When we demonstrate that calmness, we help them to understand that emotions are not permanent. And, and while emotions, big emotions can be scary, there is, they're useful. There is generally a source that you can point to after you've gotten through the flooding. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't have to be a source of fear. Or discomfort.
1: Yeah. And my tendency as a parent in the beginning, before I knew a lot of this stuff and started practicing it, was I wanted to fix that emotion. And I didn't cave in to everything that they wanted, but I would try to help them see how futile it was to, you know, cry about a toy that had broken because they're going to get a new one for their next birthday from grandparents. Yeah. And That's not necessarily what we want to do with our children at first, because it's really important to feel that emotion and to get practice feeling that emotion. Because if we if we don't have practice feeling that emotion, when it becomes out of control, we are also going to become out of control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like the failure thing. You know, a lot of people go to great trouble avoiding failure, but if you can accept that failure is a part of life, you get to practice how to deal with failure in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that emotions are are failures, but you're going... Well, sometimes
1: the expressions of our emotions can be considered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So what I'm I'm getting at is you're going to experience emotions. Mm
1: -hmm. And you're going to... You're going to... Like it or not. Well... I was gonna say we're you're going to express them inapproprii- inappropriately every now and then.
0: Yeah, because you're because you're practicing. Yeah, I'm not just talking to kids. I'm talking to I know, adults too. Exactly. Yeah. If you're if you're 45, you're still practicing. Mm-hmm. If you're 72, you're still practicing. If you're 98 years old, you're still practicing.
1: <laughs> well, you might have it down by then, but
0: maybe. <laughs> so I'm gonna go into some practical things that we can equip our children with to help them work through their emotions. And the first thing is, is kind of a part of this foundation that we've laid down and and that's observation. It's just being able to, after, after the, the flooding has run its course, being able to jump to the reasoning side and observe what's happening.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, the best way that I can think to help our children make observations about what's happening is encouraging them to tell the story of what happened. And storytelling is something that our children do naturally. Uh, storytelling is some, it's it's a medium for talking about things that they're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a great place to start and you could even kind of, be playful with them about it. You can say, okay, tell me the story about when you felt angry and you threw your cup across the room.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Let me just clarify right here, right here. You're saying this is the first step after we help them calm down. Right. But we didn't say anything about methods to help them calm down. Right.
2: Yeah, I guess. Is that something
1: you want to get into?
2: I
0: don't, yeah,
1: I mean it's, it's. I'm
0: I'm realizing that a lot of this is focusing on anger or sadness. Yeah, and I don't want to just have the focus there, but I guess we can.
1: Well, I think those are the challenging ones as parents.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go ahead and talk about the getting getting through the flooding and calming down. So we did talk about, I believe it was episode six. Mm-hmm. We talked about meltdowns. Yeah. And we talked about the five stages of grief mm-hmm. and that there is a natural process that we go through as human beings to deal with all kinds of grief um, to, to large degrees and small degrees. The, mm-hmm. the grief of losing a toy
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, is still a grieving process. There's still a process. So, so you definitely go back and listen to episode six.
1: Yeah, I think just maybe like a brief, little thing to say when when a child is flooded with emotion, the most useful thing that we can do for them is help them know that we understand what they're feeling and not try to talk them out of it. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah that that what they're what they're feeling is acceptable and okay. Mm-hmm. Now if they're if they're doing something that's inappropriate,
1: right? Restraint.
0: It's, yeah, important. it's, it's <laughs> we've, okay. We've had
1: to do that with, with our oldest yeah, who who expresses anger in a very physical way.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's okay to restrain and, and prevent from harm, prevent them from doing things in their emotional state that they would later regret or that would cause them or others harm. But you, you don't want to do so in a way that communicates that the, the emotion they're experiencing is. Bad or wrong,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you want to do so in a way that says you're feeling something right now, and it's absolutely okay for you to feel that.
1: But your body is—you are not in control of your body. Yeah, you're not in control of yourself. So I'm going to so help, help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I—I I feel like that's the most effective thing that we can do as parents, and then they can start moving into because once once they calm down from that, once they realize that someone is on their side and they're not, you know. They're, we're not warring parties here, one on one side of the war and one on the other. If we can come alongside them and help them know that we get it, yeah. they're much more likely to calm down faster. Because if you think about how you feel when you're arguing arguing with your spouse and you feel like you're not being heard or you feel like they're trying to put words in your mouth that you're not really saying and how much angrier do you get? With that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But if your spouse came along and said, I really understand how you feel in this situation, and I get that it's frustrating for you, and it would be frustrating for me too. I mean, I I feel like you could calm down really quickly because of that. And psychologically, it's been proven that you can when you have someone who understands you and gets you.
0: I mean, think, yeah, think about when you're on the phone with that support person from XYZ company and they, you know, they messed up your bill or they messed up your service or some, you know, something happened. The difference between somebody saying, somebody being kind of disgruntled with you and like, I can't believe here's another person complaining Mm -hmm. and somebody saying, I totally understand. I would feel frustrated too.
1: Mm -hmm. Those are like magic words. Those are,
0: yeah, those are magic (laughs) words. Now. I will say this, as wonderful and ideal as that sounds, it's, it's almost never quite that simple. Yeah. Sometimes those meltdowns happen right in the middle of me feeling already overwhelmed or flooded myself mm-hmm. or, or something's going on. And so, so I, I want to just throw out some grace vibes and say, parents, this is extremely hard. Yeah. It's extremely hard to deal with a person who is completely unreasonable when it comes to and, and completely unequipped to express their emotions in a healthy way and keep your cool. Yeah. And so sometimes the best you can do is keeping them from hurting themselves and just keeping your mouth shut and then going and punching a pillow. Because <laughs> of
1: give yourself a break.
0: But yeah, definitely give yourself a break. This is something that takes a lot of practice. Yeah. And,
1: and you're not going to, I mean, even we've been doing this for like two or three years and we still don't win every time. You're not going to win every time. There is no perfection in parenting. That's right. I know that perfect parents like you didn't think that there is perfection, but there's not.
0: And i want to take this opportunity to bring in a question that we just got in the chat from Brandon. He said, is it frightening to the kids to know that they are not in control to that? Yes, absolutely. What's the best way to teach them to get in control or find a method of expression that's not going to put them in a place of needing restraint? So one, there's demonstration, and, and and it really helps if we can talk about it too, mm-hmm. when we feel certain emotions, if we demonstrate for our children what it looks like to express those emotions in, a, in a, an appropriate way, they're going to pick up on those cues.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But something to understand is that the ability for the reasonable part of your brain to take over and manage the expressions of those emotions is something that one has to develop. Mm -hmm. So there, I think for men, it's something like until you're 25, Oh my
1: gosh. Yes. Yeah.
0: Until you're 25, that part of your brain is not fully developed.
1: It's still, yeah.
0: And then beyond that, there's practice. So, even when that reasonable part of your brain is fully capable of taking over that process, that doesn't mean that you are practiced enough. Mm -hmm. And so, so realizing that is important. So it it is, it is scary for our kids and they are a ways off from even, even having the ability to fully control that every time. And so that's where our empathy and our coming alongside them and being their protectors Mm -hmm. in that situation um, is really crucial it strengthens the the relationship and the connection when our when our kids are going through something scary and and we're there to protect them and keep them safe the The strength that that gives to the relationship is is unmatched and and so that's an opportunity when they experience those big emotions and they don't quite have the ability to control that's a great opportunity for us to strengthen the relationship by coming alongside them and, and helping them feel safe.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to add something real quick about uh, teaching them to, I think putting parameters in place also are helpful, even even if they're, the kids are not able to fully deal with those parameters yet. And what I mean by this is when our oldest was, I guess he was around, I guess it was about around the time that he started school he wasn't acting out in school, but as soon as he would come home, he would act out at home. And it was typically anger. And, you know, he would he would destroy a stuffed animal or he would tear up paper or he would, you know, punch a brother or something like that. And so we put into place laws of anger and then we had alternatives to anger because kids, they – they know that what they're doing to express their anger is wrong. Yeah. But they don't know what else to do. And so we had to come up with, I think we came up with three alternatives just to make it simple. And we came up with three alternatives to anger. And so he didn't do them every single time, but just the reminder of, Hey, Jaden, you look like you're losing control. What are the alternatives to anger? Just giving him that little reminder made him just think for a minute about choosing the higher road. And so I, I think just putting some of those things in place also are really good ways to help our kids funnel it in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So, so again, it's, there's still a ways off from, from fully having the, the capacity to control their reactions in, mm-hmm. the, in the midst of their emotional uh, floodedness. But the more, that, the more that we can, one, demonstrate, and then two, let them know, okay, in this situation, and this is, again, after, after they're no longer emotionally flooded, when, they're, when the reasonable part of their brain mm-hmm. is capable of, of getting information, say, when this happens, when you're in this situation, when you feel this way, here are some, here are some better ways that you can express your feelings. Yeah. and. I'm not going to go through and give examples for everyone, but you know, given the situation as, a, as a, an experienced adult, you can look at the situation and you can say, okay, so definitely hitting, hitting their sibling was not the right thing to do. What would have been better is for them to tell their sibling how they felt or for them to walk away and go punch the couch. Mm-hmm. or for them to walk outside and yell and scream or for them to stomp upstairs and go into their room. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are some different choices there that are more appropriate.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and so if we can look at the situation with them and you might even ask them instead of, instead of just saying, okay, here's what you can do. You might even ask them, what do you think you could have done?
1: Yeah. We've to- gotten to where we're doing that now. Cause he's eight. He's you know, he's lived with these alternatives for, what, three years now? Yeah. So putting that ball in their court starts helping them think about what they're doing. That's right. And, and start to control their emotions more instead of just letting their emotions control them.
0: So I wanted to, to get back into the storytelling thing. A- allowing our children to tell the story of what happened. One of the things that our kids have been or or Jaden's been reading lately are these stories where you can choose the direction of the story. What do they call that?
1: Choose your own adventure.
0: Yeah. So, so you can kind of treat it like that. You can say, okay, now, now tell the story with an alternate ending. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you give them the opportunity to relive that experience. They may even start to feel some of those emotions again as they talk about it. And that's good Mm -hmm. because What's happening mentally for them is when they tell, when they retell the story with a better ending and they're re-experiencing those emotions, the parts of their brain that are, that are firing the paths that are being created lead to a better place. And when they practice that and do that consistently,
2: mm-hmm.
0: their response, their reaction in the midst of those emotions will more automatically tend toward the, 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 appropriate responses and expressions. And so any opportunity that you can take when your child has experienced an emotion, any opportunity you can take to help them tell the story and retell the story with a better ending is, is one of the ways that you can help your child to have a more automatic, healthy response.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Another thing we like to do is the weather report.
1: Yeah. So if a kid is feeling a certain emotion, we, because when they were younger, they couldn't really, they didn't really know how to differentiate between frustration and anger because it kind of feels the same. It's like, you know, when you're frustrated, you're also a little bit angry, but it's a different kind of angry. Um, So we started assigning weather patterns or like natural disaster type things. Yeah. So when our eight year old, I mean, I guess this was when he was like six. When he would get angry and could feel himself just getting flooded, he would say, I feel like I'm a volcano. I'm about to erupt. I'm about to throw my lava all over the place. <laughs> <And> so, yeah. <laughs> that's not necessarily weather, but that's like a natural <laughs> natural disaster. Sometimes it's a tornado. Sometimes it's a water spout because the sadness isn't quite as bad. Or yeah. um, sometimes it's like a huge, heavy monsoon because we feel really, really sad or... You know, sometimes we're a bright, sunny day because we're joyful. So it was, it was a lot of fun having that conversation with the kids and they, they did the brainstorming for it really, you know, because they could, you know, we would ask them what, what makes you happy? You know, a bright, sunny day when the sun's shining and the sky is all blue and there are no clouds in the sky. And so that became our joyful. So.
0: Yeah. I, I really like this. Again, it taps into the imagination of our children and it helps them to not just have an intellectual understanding Mm -hmm. of their emotions, but also to, to feel connected to their emotions in, in a more creative way, Mm -hmm. in in a way that uses the part of their brain that's going to help them be more creative and ingenuitive when it comes to managing and expressing their emotions. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, we would, uh, around the table, we'd just say, what's your weather report? And we would go around and most of the time for them it was like sunny skies you know yeah <laughs> but every now and then we could tell that you know somebody was feeling a little cloudy so that's right with a chance of meatballs i'm
0: so, <laughs> i'm still waiting for somebody to get really detailed with that like i feel like an overcast day and it's hot and humid <laughs> and the air is very stale
1: I can't really breathe.
0: I can't. I can't breathe, and it feels like feels like it's about to thunder and lightning.
1: I feel like a summer, a Texas summer. What would that?
0: (laughs) Depressing. Depends. (laughs) Some people really and and not. You can't. weather and how people feel about weather is also kind of subjective. Like you can't. Some people really love cloudy, rainy days.
1: Yeah, I like cl- cloudy, rainy days. Yeah, I do too. I'm kind of a downer anyway, so. <laughs> Same.
0: What's your weather report? Cloudy and rainy. Oh, you feel sad? No, I feel super happy and chill.
1: <laughs> I feel calm.
0: Yeah. Another another thing that we can do is when our children have experienced an emotion is help them to describe where they are feeling that emotion. and. And what that's doing to their bodies, to, to them physically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it's just a, another angle that they can approach understanding what their emotions are doing to them. So, for example, when you feel happy, you might feel kind of this warm fuzziness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When you feel excited, you might feel like there's electricity running through your body. When you feel angry, you, you might feel hot. And when you feel sad, you might feel kind of this ache in the deepest part of your chest
1: or your stomach really.
0: or yeah, or your stomach. So helping one of the ways that you can do this is just to ask them one, how do you feel? And, and they, they may be able to tell you, I feel angry. And then you say, where do you feel that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes if they, if they haven't really had much experience, they'll say, Oh, I don't know. And then you can say, when I feel angry, I feel it right here at the top of my chest and it feels like somebody's just squeezing my chest and my head feels hot and it feels like my head could just go on fire all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And, and it's kind of, again, getting into that imagination and playfulness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can also do things like this. Uh, there's a actually a meditation practice that you can use with colors and emotions and, uh, the one that sticks out most to me is with sadness, you can, uh, let's see, it's when you feel, or no, 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 I'm sorry, it's anger. You feel red when you're angry, and you can pour in some blue to calm yourself down, and then you are purple, which is, because red and blue make purple. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, it's another way of engaging the kid's imaginations and helping them breathe through whatever emotion they're feeling.
0: Yeah. Where, where our kids really thrive, where they've got a lot of power and control is, is in their creativity and their imaginations. And so when you can bring emotions into that realm for them, it really does help them to feel more empowered and Mm -hmm. in control. Mm -hmm. The thing that I really want us to, I I have some questions that we're going to get to. Okay.
2: Um,
0: the thing I I really want us to understand is that emotions are not bad and, and really expressions are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. There's, you know, appropriateness and there's inappropriateness depending on the situation. This isn't about really controlling the emotions either. It's not about taking the reins of this thing that seems wild and, and crazy because emotions are useful and mm-hmm. and they really can be helpful in the right situations. It's really about a relationship between your reason and your emotions. It's about getting to a place where those two can cooperate with each other and work together to accomplish the goals that you have and the things that you want to see in your life. Mm-hmm. So one of the first questions we got was from Terrence. And I totally identify with this. He says, I have a bad temper and one of my biggest fears is that my kids will pick up on how I react to things that make me angry. Oh, man. Besides the obvious, the ever so difficult changing how I react. How can I keep my kids from picking up on this behavior? (laughs) So, so yes, what you demonstrate as an expression, your kids will pick up on
2: and mm-hmm.
0: and and so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that hope is lost or anything like that but i but I notice when my kids feel angry, I can see how they 've picked up on the ways mm-hmm. that i've expressed my anger, so I one have to recognize that that they're learning some of that for me, some of it is they, their lack of experience, ultimately their emotion belongs to them. The, the choice of what to do with their emotions Mm -hmm. resides with them and my emotions belong to me and the choice of what I do with my emotions resides with me.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that kind of takes some of the pressure off Mm -hmm. and it, and it gives me the courage to just focus on my own stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. But also one thing that you're really good at is, um, and and I just want to throw this disclaimer out here too, because we, like we said before, we're never going to be completely, we're, we're never going to have this completely figured out. We're always going to have our failure moments when it comes to the expressions of our emotions. Yeah. But one thing that you do really well is, Going when you have an unhealthy expression of anger, going back to the kids and saying, you know what, I really lost my head. I said words I didn't mean, you know, this is not the way to handle your anger. And I think that's really valuable to them because it's a teaching moment and it shows them that you're, you know, that that you recognize that it wasn't a healthy expression and you're apologizing. You know, that's all super valuable to them.
0: Yeah, I've said this before, but I've got to say it again. When you apologize to your children, when you point out to them places where you failed and you've made mistakes, that's not weakness. That Mm -hmm. doesn't undermine your authority. It doesn't take away your ability to to perform your role as their parent. It strengthens the relationship and the relationship is the foundation of your authority and your role in their life. And so it takes a lot of courage to admit when you're wrong, to admit when you've made a mistake, to admit that you're still working on something, but think about how powerful that's going to be for your children when they see that, wow, this is something that dad is also having a hard time with. And so I, I don't feel as alone in, in my struggle with it.
1: Yeah. I don't have to reach perfection. And I think, that's valuable to kids. We, need, we all need to know that we're, we can't ever reach perfection as parents or as children or as adults.
0: Yeah. So. so he asks another question, Terrence does. He says, Speaking as someone who dwells on things way too long and wears his emotions on his sleeve, what are some ways to help your kids process difficult emotions so that they can learn and move forward? And so while there is some level of Control, and I don't like that word necessarily, but for our purposes, there's some level of control you can gain over your emotions. Emotions do have to run their course. Mm-hmm. But sometimes our reason gets confused with our emotion and it creates this kind of loop, this cycle that keeps bringing that emotion up and perpetuates that feeling. And so sometimes, even the most, the, the people who are the most skilled. At managing their emotions need help. Mm -hmm. And so one, as an adult who tends to hold on to things or or has trouble working through certain emotions sometimes, it's absolutely okay to ask for help when you need it. Mm -hmm. Having somebody who's reasonable, who can look objectively, who can make observations and help you tell the story of what's going on, identify the source of those emotions and help you work. I mean, that's that's extremely valuable. And then our, our children are going to deal with the same thing from time to time and they will need help.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's the, that's the best way I can answer that is, is that that's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. That happens sometimes and it just means that they may need somebody to help them and to understand that that's not something necessarily that they're going to master in their lifetime, that they may need help in the future and that it's okay to ask for help.
1: Okay. And I have two things to add real quick. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a couple of years ago, I read this book called parenting from the inside out. It's also by, uh, Daniel Siegel. And, uh, because I picked it up because when the kids would whine, I would feel myself get this emotion that was just unexplainable, like this, emo- this unexplainable anger whenever mm-hmm. I would hear whining. And the book kind of takes you through like following that emotion to the very beginning of what caused it. yeah, And I feel like that's just a hugely valuable practice for us as parents to know what is it that's triggering these emotions that make me fly off the handle or um, those kinds of things. And so the second thing that I would say is, um, and this could be just because I'm a writer, but I feel like writing is a huge help for processing through emotions. Even if it's just like, diary. I just vomited out of my pen, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. it's just, it's so incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah. And, and that kind of comes back to the storytelling thing. It's, uh, sometimes it's difficult to identify the true source and, and then having somebody kind of help you is very valuable because you might say, "Oh yeah, this, so, so this happened and, and I just, I felt really angry. And, and then that person can say, okay, I, I see how that could make you angry, but you seem more angry than this would normally make you. Was mm-hmm. there something else that, and, and it might cause you to think, you know, there was this other thing and there's, there's often some underlying thing that's really creating the stress and the tension that leads us to have that, that leads us to have these emotions that are disproportionate to yeah. what, what seems to have caused them. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Steph Lewis. She asks, when my child loses her sh- temper, is <laughs> a family show. My child loses her temper. My instant reaction is to get very angry. And if she doesn't respond to my restrained commands, I tend to yell, pick her up, plop her on the bed, close her door. It doesn't deal with her emotions at all at that point. And I know I need to address it. What is the best way to cut through both parties anger? I've done that so many times. I like, that sounds exactly what I do sometimes. And I'll say, I'll, I'll say to Steph, or if you've had this experience too, there's actually nothing wrong with this because you may feel very flooded yourself. You, you may feel like, the The best that you can do is to take them and put them in a place where they can be calm, where you can get away from each other. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. We actually um, do, th- or, or I do it a lot to our twins because I, oh my gosh, <laughs> I feel crazy when I'm around my twins. Yeah. um, And there are a lot of times that I'll just have to put them somewhere and walk away.
0: Yeah. Now, now the key is, and, and I will say this when you're, when your child is flooded or you know, when you're both flooded, that's not the time to try to address those things. (laughs) Afterwards, when you've, when you've cooled down, and this is kind of a practice, a discipline, because, because you no longer feel those feelings, it may seem easy just to be like, ah, whatever, and not talk about it. And, and part of that is, you know, a defense mechanism, like you don't want those feelings to resurface and to have to relive the The discomfort. But if you practice coming back to the conversation and talking about what happened,
2: Mm -hmm. the
0: more you practice that, the easier that will be. Mm -hmm. And so it is important to to come back after you've calmed down. All right. This is a really good one from Hannah because we have one of these two. She says, My five year old tends to shut down when she's upset. How can I encourage her to share her feelings? When she becomes nonverbal.
1: Hmm, that's our five-year-old too. That's ironic.
0: Mm-hmm. Gabrielle had a similar question. She says when your child starts shutting down. She, some examples are starts grunting. Or having frustrating growls instead of words. <laughs> How can you bring them back into using their words. Without making them feel as though they're in the wrong. So the, the shutting down thing. I wouldn't call that inappropriate necessarily mm-hmm. as long as it's not sustained. But okay. it might be that their their reaction when they're flooded is to shut down. And that's and that can be a really healthy thing for them to do in that moment.
1: Okay. So I'm just gonna speak on this because that that's also me. This is who I am in emotions. Um, And a lot of times it's because my interior dialogue is going through everything. You know, it's telling the story. It's trying to assess how exactly I feel. It's trying to find the right words to express those things in a way that's, you know, that's honoring and not tearing somebody down or those kinds of things. And so because I'm such an interior thinker, this, is, I mean, you and I get into arguments all the time because of this. Because you're just like, why won't you talk? You know, and it's,
0: I, I almost always regret it when I probe and I try to get you to talk before you're ready. Yeah,
1: because I'm because not because
0: like in the midst of your f- emotional floodedness, yeah. your inner dialogue is is like, you know, you kiss your mother with that mouth. But you don't. <laughs> I don't want to hear any of that stuff yet. You got to work through all of those things. Before yeah.
1: So so as one of those people, I understand those kinds of children better, I guess, because I know that it's not because they're specifically trying to shut themselves off from feeling the emotion. It's that they're trying – that's their way of processing the emotion. And so I think the thing that we need to do as parents is once that emotional flooding has finished, you set a time to come back and talk about it. Yeah, Because when they're not in the situation and when they're not in danger of getting in trouble or whatever, they're much more open to talking. Because I, I know this for myself, you know, when I'm not in as much danger of, you know, disappointing somebody or saying the wrong thing or any of those, you know, any of those things that the pressure that we put on ourselves, then I feel much more open to talk. So.
0: Yeah. and And I can't emphasize this enough but when we or our child are emotionally flooded, that's not the time to try to deal with stuff. And so the shutting down is really a form of floodedness, the raging and throwing a fit and, and being very outwardly expressive Mm -hmm. is a form of floodedness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Being so excited for something that, They're running around the house. (laughs) Like that's floodedness.
1: Wait, our kids spend their lives flooded?
0: (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, uh, honestly, sometimes I get so excited even as an adult. You just want to jump up and down. I'm in the room by myself and I do these like crazy weird dances (laughs) and I sometimes injure my muscles a little bit because of the, you know, (laughs) And so the, the floodedness is natural. It's, it's something that happens. It's something that, that has to run its course. And then after that, the rational, reasonable mm-hmm. part of our brain is able to come in and manage those things. And, and sometimes even in the middle of that, if we have, if we've practiced enough and if that part of our brain is developed enough to to handle the way that we react in those moments, Mm -hmm. then, you know, then we're going to be okay. But, but it's important to remember that for our children so that we're not prematurely trying to get them to have a conversation about their emotions that they're not ready to have.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. There was one more question I captured real quick uh, that we can just answer quickly. I know we're super late. Um, But Sharla had asked, what are your favorite outlets for emotions? She said we've found dance to be helpful but she'd love more tools. And I think we use a lot of art. The 8-year-old sometimes will slip a note under our door and he'll be like, "When you do this, it makes me feel and he draws this like person with steam coming out of his ears and Yeah. <laughs> and that's a healthy expression of the anger and we can also like put that I have a folder that I'm keeping them all in.
0: <laughs> you know, there's an aspect of, of about this that we didn't really get into but that's the The emotions that have not been fully processed,
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: so sometimes we feel angry or sad or excited or or whatever. We you know we we have feelings that for whatever reason we're not able to fully run their course, that are still kind of running in the background, and and so there are some things that that like like exercise and. Um, and, and doing some form of artistic creation,
2: mm-hmm.
0: meditation, those, those things are natural kind of vents. Yeah. You, you open up, you you open up the, uh, the vent and you let those things out that haven't been able to, to fully run their course.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I really feel like stress is a lot of times just a result of emotions that we haven't fully worked through.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether it's, some fear that we haven't identified and dealt with the source of or or whatever it is. So doing those things, those seemingly unrelated, where you're not necessarily talking specifically about those emotions can help relieve some of that pressure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right.
1: We're definitely going to have to visit emotional intelligence again.
0: Yeah, there's, there's more to go into
1: mm-hmm.
0: for sure. Well, Thank you guys for listening.
1: Yeah, I know we ran late.
0: So, we we would really love to hear what questions because I, I know sometimes we get into these topics and we want to we want to answer the questions that we know exist. We want to answer the questions that we get from the chat, but I know sometimes it just creates even more questions or maybe drives more specific conversations. And so, if you have questions about this topic or any other thing that we might talk about. We want to hear it. Go to in the com slash contact and you can send us a message. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you want to help out the show, you can go to com slash community and you can join the community. The community members are the reason we have a show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're they're the reason this show is is able to happen because the show is supported by the people in the community. Um, even more than that, when you're a part of the community, you are able to be around people who are like-minded. You're able to be around people who are working through the same things and struggling through the same things. I, I've been, just just this past week, I work in uh, graphic and web design. I went to the community probably two or three different times with a question about something or wanting some feedback about something I was working on. And and so it's a really great encouraging environment for something like that. But I've even come into the community with some of the personal stuff I'm going through, like, man, I'm I'm kind of in a tough situation. I don't know what to deal with. And and the set of values that these people operate from is so in line with my own, but also challenges me in some ways. And so I'm just I'm very Thankful and grateful for the community that I've found with these people. And I want for you to experience the same thing. And that also helps the show. So please do yourself a favor and check out Seanwest.com/slash community. Rachel, where can people go to find us online?
1: In the boat with That's
0: right. Go to in the boat with You can listen back to our episodes. You can read show notes for all of our episodes. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and you will get a message from me every week when we release a new episode. And not just the episode show notes, but I put a little personal message in there too. Maybe one of these times we can get Rachel to put a little personal message in there too. Maybe. Maybe.
1: You don't ever let me see the newsletter, so.
0: Are you not subscribed?
1: No, I am, but I don't do anything in it.
0: Oh, you mean beforehand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I might, I might, yeah, let you. disclaimer,
1: he doesn't even let me edit it. So just because he's married to an editor, doesn't mean, <laughs> yeah,
0: if you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. That's where all of her writing lives. Mm-hmm. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. I am at bentolson.com and you can follow me on Twitter at bentolson. So that's our show. Thank you guys again for listening. Thanks. See you next week. I should uh, I should do a thing top ten movies that made Ben cry.
2: <laughs>
0: Number one gets me every time. There was there was one oh I just watched this I I'd, I'd never seen this before. Uh, it was what's eating Gilbert Grape. So here's.
1: Did it um, make you cry?
0: Yeah. Huh. S- Terrence, since you're here. Maybe you can relate to this too. Oh man, I might, I might start crying just talking about it. If <laughs> you, if you've never seen this movie, spoiler alert. But what's Eating Gilbert Grape has Leonardo DiCaprio and Johnny Depp. Much younger, um, Leonardo Di- DiCaprio plays a character who has a mental disability, and so he's, you know, he does, he doesn't function normally. And Johnny Depp is his older brother, who pretty much takes care of him. And he's also dealing with a lot of his own personal stuff. And so, so he, it's very clear throughout the movie that Johnny is very protective of his younger brother and doesn't tolerate anybody hurting him because his, his brother is just, you know, acting normally for his condition and where some people might make fun or, or, or misunderstand Johnny gets where it's coming from, and, and so he's very protective. So, in a moment, oh, Terrence, we have not seen Inside Out yet. I really wanted to before this show, but
1: yeah, he did. Yeah, we couldn't find just a an, sitter for the so Helian twins.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so so back to what's eating Gilbert Grape. G- Gilbert is Johnny Depp's character's name. Gilbert is he he's just under so much pressure and. He's trying to get his younger brother who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's trying to get him into the bath because he hasn't bathed in like a couple of weeks and he loses his temper and he actually hits his brother. And, uh, it's so, it's so well acted the, the whole scene. And then he realizes what he's done and he just leaves Mm -hmm. and, and Leonardo DiCaprio's character runs away from the house and and there's some drama there and stuff like that but then the next day he's back uh Leonardo DiCaprio is back at the house he's having his birthday party and Gilbert shows up and Gilbert realizes that he's broken this trust this relationship because of the way that he expressed his anger toward his younger brother and he's, you can tell just that he's like, uh, he, he goes, he goes up to his sister and he says, you know, is, is he okay? And, and he just, you you can tell that he feels like he, he's not allowed to talk to his younger brother yet because of what he did.
1: Wow, Ben,
0: I know. I can't,
1: (laughs) We, we should, we should shut it down.
0: I just can't. So, so there's this thing that his younger brother would do where he would climb up in the tree and, and even though he, you know, he's clearly in the tree and everybody knows the game that he's playing is he wants his siblings to say, where is he? You know? And so, and, and so he's, his brother is in the tree and, um, and so Johnny's character starts playing this game with them. And it's this, it's this sweet moment where you see that um, there's so much grace there. Almost like the offense meant more to Gilbert than it did to his younger brother. His younger brother was ready to forgive and wants the relationship to be back to normal, back to the way it was before. And... And so that that part just really got me because I've experienced that so many times with our kids where I feel like the thing that you know, the way that I express my anger, the yelling and and the kind of the fear that I see in their eyes from those moments um breaks something that and, and it and it creates this separation where I almost don't feel like I'm allowed
2: mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm.
0: And they meet that with such grace and forgiveness and acceptance. And it just, um, it reminds me of how amazing our children are and the way that they experience and, and see and engage the world. And um, anyways, that's it, it just really got, it got me. I was like, it was late at night. I think you were already asleep. I was yeah, watching no it in bed and I was just like weeping. <laughs> wiping the tears away uh, so it was really good
1: yeah